0: You know, I hate to bring this to your attention, but your marketing strategy is horrifically bad.
1: Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information and have a little bit of fun along the way. So I am always joined by my co-host, Reed Smith. Reed is a digital strategist. social media enthusiast, and an altogether great guy. You can find him online at Reed Smith on Twitter. He's uh, Reed Smith on LinkedIn, all the social platforms, and his website is socialhealthinstitute.com. Reed, welcome today to the podcast.
0: Thank you very much, Chris. Uh, Chris, my co-host and good friend. Uh, Find him online at, at Chris Boyer on Twitter as well as many of the other social platforms, ChristopherBoyer.com is where you can find him on the interwebs. And uh, uh, like myself, Chris spends a lot of his time and effort and energy working with hospitals around the country. And uh, we get to do this every week. So this is uh, it's a lot of fun.
1: It's a lot of fun. Uh, we're on episode 19, Reed. Next week, we're actually going to be doing a special episode. The 20th episode is a big milestone for us where we're, we're going to be covering the top 20 digital marketing tips for hospitals. And we've been asking people online to uh, submit those. Yeah. So maybe we should uh, let people know if you have a good digital marketing tip or a good, uh, a, a good thing that you want to share with other people around maybe social media or CRM use or whatever it might be. Why don't you hit us up on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever you can find us, and uh, give us that tip. And if you are really adventurous, do a little recording. Do like a 60-second recording and send
0: that audio file along to us. That's right. If it's an audio file and if it's super prescriptive, you probably run a better chance of getting featured. I'm just going to (laughs) throw that out there. But yeah, so that should be a lot of fun. Uh, we've already gotten quite a few in, quite a few audio submissions, matter of fact. So mm-hmm. uh, that's great and look forward to that episode. Leading up to that, if we could ask uh, a favor, if you could make your way over to iTunes uh, and subscribe to the podcast, that would be much appreciated. And while you're there, if you'll rate and review us, that will really help not only our feelings, uh, which is extremely important, but it will also help uh folks find the podcast that have not already. So it makes it worthwhile for us to continue doing this. So if you could do that, always um, any recommendation to a friend, that would be wonderful. We had one on LinkedIn this week, uh, which mm-hmm. was great. And just reach out on the social channels and say, hi read. So I'm excited about today's topic. Uh, we've kind of touched on it in a couple of
1: previous episodes. But um, to go really deep, and particularly because we have a great interview that's uh, later on in the episode. Well, let's get to the topic. People know what it is because they've already downloaded the episode. But it's really getting getting physicians involved in your marketing and communication efforts, which is something that we all know is important to do. But I think many of us sometimes have challenges doing that.
0: Well, it's tough. And uh, and we'll hear more from uh, Dr. Smith later. Uh, He's a pediatrician uh, at Cook Children's there in Fort Worth. Uh, And you'll be able to uh, track him down online. He's a great example. And there's many others out there. Uh, But he specifically has a role within the marketing department of Cook Children's as as an advisor for digital health that's a little Mm -hmm. probably different than how we've looked at a physician's role in in marketing and communications historically um Mm -hmm. again we we have touched on this a little bit in the past with uh, dr brian vardabedian when we talked about professionalism specifically a few episodes back, but what, what are some of those, what are some ways that we typically see different organizations involving their physicians? I
1: think that a lot of times when you're looking at hospitals and health systems and their marketing and communications departments, they really look at the physicians as sort of the trusted source. Even the authoritative source of clinical information, uh, creating good information, maybe uh, commenting on latest trends that are out there, breaking news. What that translates to a lot, read is content marketing efforts. And content marketing in that case being helping to author content, maybe writing blog posts or you know, having blog posts ghostwritten for them, which is often the case, Sure. Um, you know, or, or participating in brand journalism type of efforts.
0: Yeah. And, and I'll kind of go one a uh, little bit past that when, when we're talking about content. So typically the engagement point with somebody on your active medical staff or a uh, medical director of a institute or service line or, or service offering it is from a content standpoint. We're going and we're asking them. It's typically not their idea, at least in my case. We're going asking them to create some piece of content. So whether it's, uh, could you give us a quote for this article? Could you write a blog post? You know, something like that. I think that's fine and that's maybe a good entry point. But I think, you know, and what we'll hear from Justin later Is how do you involve them and and have them participate, you know, kind of in an ongoing capacity or more of an official uh, capacity? And that's, you know, that's probably the case for, you know, not just physicians, but just clinical folks.
1: Well, and right there it could be a deal stopper right because when you think about it physicians uh, clinical folks clinical professionals across the organization that's not what they're hired to do right they're they're right. supposed to be focusing on clinical care et cetera. when you say hey would you like to author a blog post would you like to provide a quote oftentimes they see that as a big ask and there's been plenty of times me as a marketer uh, you know wanting to work with physicians on creating their their website content and they're like yeah that's fine I have time for for a meeting at 5.30 a.m., you know, like before my, my day starts. Right. Because, you know, they look at it as just like a burden, an added burden to the work that they do. And that, you know, that becomes a, a little bit of a, of a challenge for us. Because we know that physicians are seen as the authoritative source. They have the trust of patients. You know, when you're looking at website content, you want it to be personalized and created or even, you know, have your physicians highlight there. And and let's also add to that, Reed, they the physicians themselves always ask to have more exposure, to be out there more prominently in the work that we're doing. So this, this provides a bit of a quandary for us.
0: Yeah. And so let's back up maybe just a little bit hospitals, healthcare systems, marketing professionals, whatever it is, why do we want them involved? You you mentioned, you know, the kind of the credibility piece or subject matter experts, you know, that kind of thing. And that goes for a variety of places not just the physician vertical but w- what's the what's the benefit
1: yeah obviously the credibility piece right but i think moreover it, it provides sort of that uniqueness of your brand uh, hospitals and health systems are primarily composed of institutes and clinical care in a certain way and there's certain organizations that are more known for their clinical capabilities we we you know we talk about the cleveland clinic being known for their heart care mayo clinic being known for the, some very very, very sophisticated approaches to complicated medical issues. You may have a heart institute, a cancer institute, and really what drives sort of that care philosophy are the physicians. So what better way to promote the uniqueness of your brand by having those physicians that have built these institutes
0: to be out there promoting it? If that's the case, then and, and we want them involved and we want to be able to build that level of trust online by providing you know, good clinical insight, but yet on the flip side, when we go to the physician and say, can you do this, you know, or can you write this, or can you be a part of this initiative? You know, a lot of times they're seeing it, like you mentioned, is is one more thing to add to their day. So how do we do a better job of conveying value?
1: It helps a lot to really kind of start to understand how you're going to be structuring the way you present your content to your audiences. I think a lot of times, From personal experience, having good content creators that could have a very productive, focused interview with a physician or a clinical doctor and get a lot of content from them in a very short period of time, and then being able to take that and maybe create that into robust website content, social media content, video content, whatever it may be, so that you could, you could start to repurpose that and infuse it with sort of the other branding messaging, maybe the consumer-driven aspects of this. I think that that's one way of it. You have to start to structure the, the way you extract content or work with them to get content.
0: Uh, if they see this as one more thing, but yet they're also, especially in, in states like Texas where they're all in private practice, you know they're looking for more exposure. So I think we've got to do a great job of connecting how does this participation on the hospital side you know, benefit your private practice. And I know legally there's there's some gotchas there and some things you gotta be careful of. But I think those that wanna be out there and wanna be seen. And again, it, it may be that, you know, value is demonstrated by them seeing someone else, a peer do it and seeing mm-hmm. the benefit there, right? So again, sometimes it's finding the right person to start with. Then you've got that case study. You know, everybody loves a good pilot project, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, this is no different. You know, go find the one that it's going to work with. Maybe, maybe they're in a, a specialty or subspecialty that is more consumer focused and would make it easier for you to fit in your marketing activities. But I think we've got to have some real examples to be able to really kind of convey, you know, that message. And it's not, you know, it's it's coming less from just you've got this idea.
1: But what I'm also finding is that there are there are a variety of type of, of physicians that I've worked with in, in my lifetime. Some of them are really they really start to be more nuanced and start to understand these channels a little bit better and this particularly comes into play when we start talking about social media, there are some physicians that really naturally kind of gravitate towards using the social channels as a way to augment there are existing ways to build a reputation,
0: to promote, but there's others that it's just completely foreign to them. It probably is more beneficial for some than others. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, how, how do we get it? How do we get them involved? Maybe we talk a little bit about, or take a second to talk about, you know, how, how do you onboard that physician? You've got the brand standards, you know, the tone, voice, et cetera. And it's nothing to do with physicians. It has to do with anybody that's not, you know, in the marketing communication space, so it could be allied health, nursing, other clinical folks, you know, how do we, how do we ease them into this process? You know, some organizations
1: do incredibly well of saying you're, you're a physician, let's say you're onboarding, whatever capacity that is, whether they're employed or not employed, but to get them introduced to actually how the organization actually puts out content or or communicates or markets, right. And what the role of the physician is involved in that. A great classic example of that is like the Mayo Clinic. The Mayo Clinic has a whole professional curriculum that is led by Ferris Tamimi, who who is part of the social media network, to share with, uh, share with physicians about what their expectation is, what their role is, how they could conduct themselves in a professional manner. And moreover, it introduces them to a variety of different ways that physicians can be utilized in their communication approach. Organizations that do that, that's very sophisticated, that's very helpful. And it's consistent. That consistency of the model makes it easier for communicators and marketers like ourselves to get them involved because there's a consistent approach. And it can involve you know sharing best practices, sharing examples, etc. What's unfortunate about that, I think that's more of an exception to the rule. Most organizations I know bring in a, a new physician, um, either again affiliated or employed or whatever it might be, and they don't really set the right expectation of how we want that physician to be part of the ongoing communications and
0: marketing efforts.
1: And that's a bit of a challenge.
0: Yeah, it is. And I think you know an interesting thing there that you that you spoke to about what Dr. Tamimi does, I think we've got to be okay as organizations to allow them to find their voice, you know, within the broader kind of guardrails within the organization. The quickest way to get someone to not participate is to be super rigid about how, you know, their participation is going to look. And a lot of that has to do with they just have to do it, quite honestly. You know, an example would be, uh, and this is this maybe a little bit simplistic, so I don't want to over oversimplify, but you know, maybe maybe they're better at creating lists and tips than they are creating like a narrative piece. Maybe, maybe they want to show four or five pictures and you know have captions or describe the pictures or process that way. But giving them away and showing them examples of, of maybe how that looks and what the opportunity is and tying it back to more of their clinical side, like how they round on patients or their bedside manner.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point, Reed. There are some physicians that just can't even fathom putting pen to paper. And so in that case, you know, a lot of times bringing in a video camera to do some video interviews, or I remember way back when we used to also carry around like little recorders where we would audio record, just conversations we have with the doctors. That works tremendously well. It puts less impact on their time. It allows them to bring their voice forward. And if you do it right, if you have a good videography team, you can actually get some really great video content that you can repurpose over and over again. And let me tell you a little story. I, quite honestly, we once were doing a video series, uh, wellness video series, and we would show up to talk to multiple different physicians. And we, we would we'd show up and we'd say, okay, what we want to talk about today is, let's say, uh, varicose veins. And so we'd show up with the video camera, set it up. The doctor would sit down. He'd have his white lab coat on. His arms were crossed in front of him, the traditional doctor pose. And he proceeded to say, you know, a minute to two minutes of uh, very clinical information, of stuff that's very dry, almost stuff that you can get from WebMD, right? Not very personal at all. Mm-hmm. And while that information was good... It really didn't meet the tone and the theme of what we were trying to do, which is wellness marketing. But I realized that I needed to get additional content from them. I always struggled with trying to get their bedside manner into this. what I mean is when you work with physicians a lot, when they're working with other patients, they tend to have many of them, not all of them, tend to have really good bedside manner. And that really brings forward their own voice or personality. That's how they conduct their practice. So I would often say to them, you know, that's really interesting. Well, you know, I have a, I have a mother who has varicose veins what would you say to her and then suddenly their demeanor would change through this whole process you know I would film uh, multiple different things and it related to different things heart conditions overweight obesity uh, knee conditions skin cancer etc and I would always use that same kind of technique as being the video interviewer to say well I have a family member that has this condition what would you say to them What's cool is, is I got two types of information. I got this very clinical, technical information that I could use for certain campaigns. And then I got this very much personal wellness-related content that's designed to how patients and physicians talk to one another. And of course, you know, at the end of this, the uh, the, the videographer turns to me and he says, Boy, you have a really sick family. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, that's amazing, but that's a really good point. And that goes into some of the things that is another topic for another day, but you know, how to do good interviews and how to, you know, and some of that is you'll get them talking before you start the interview, you know? And so it's funny cause you get, you get a lot of your great content, like a lot of the bloopers tell me more about the individual than the actual, you know, produced piece. And that's what a lot of people would rather see, but trying to convey that to an author, you know, to to have a human element. But I think the point is, is, you know, they're going to have to start doing it to understand and find their voice at some point.
1: Well, let's talk about one other aspect of this, read, which we haven't touched on quite yet. The fact that there's also a tremendous value in having physicians reach out to other peers, right, to either referring physicians, or even if they're doing residency, if they're, you know, for your teaching hospital, there's an untapped way to actually get physicians involved in that. And many times, clinical professionals, particularly those that are leading your service lines, maybe your institutes, are out there, and they may even be speaking and doing presentations on a variety of different clinical topics at conferences or what have you, I found a lot of value in also trying to capture that somehow, be that through like maybe a share capture or even having, you know, a video of them presenting because that content in and of itself as well
0: could be very beneficial to augmenting your online content. Sure. I mean, you get that halo effect to some degree, you know, the more your thought leaders are involved online, the more you're involved online, whether that's with consumers peers you know, you think of things like tweet chats, you know, where there's a variety of people involved, including researchers and patients and, you know, everybody else. But you have to be careful, right? Because, I mean,
1: you can go to to an extreme and there has to be a way that you could set some guidelines. And I think for every organization, it's different. I'm just remembering there was one um, surgeon that I knew that had a whole YouTube channel where he would film his surgical procedures. And these are cameras that are, you know, inside the body cavities, etc. And he had literally hundreds of these videos that he would film from all the surgery that he's done. Now, that content itself may or may not have a consumer-friendly approach to it. He wanted that YouTube video linked to his physician profile. Now, maybe that's not the right type of content for that physician profile, maybe not too consumer-friendly, but certainly it showed that the physician was open to participating in multimedia types of content. And so... That gave us an opportunity to have a dialogue with him about other ways we can create video that he can use for his peer-to-peer audiences as well as for the consumer.
0: If we provide enough value add, it's going to make it very much you know, an easier experience, I guess, to get them involved. I think then really is just like you would anything else is to measure report back you know really help them understand you know what this is doing for the organization allow them to be a part of the planning process you know things like that and really integrate them into what you're doing from a marketing standpoint
1: and don't overlook you know some of the other very traditional aspects of how you can get physicians involved like your physician profiles having them comment on latest news
0: that's occurring yeah one great way to get started is most everybody has us physician experts that get ended up you know they end up on tv or on the news you know when it's a bad flu season or the summer starts and we're talking about water safety and life jackets and that kind of thing pay attention even though you that may happen on the communications side of the house because you can circle back with those physicians and repurpose that content or get them to provide that content in a new and different way and it's not a lot of extra work. You know, they've already prepared to do it once. Uh, maybe they wrote some things down or they've got some resources that they pulled and you can start kind of tying and weaving that stuff together. That's a good kind of on-ramp uh, to get them involved.
1: Touch point, touch counterpoint. There are two sides to every story. Ready, fight!
0: all right here we are at the ever popular point touch point touch counterpoint point point, counter touch point whatever the other names were (laughs) Uh But this is this is the uh, the fun time of the episode where Chris and I get to argue polar opposite sides of an issue, loosely debate type rules. But we will uh, take the topic of the day, which has to do with the uh, current episode topic. And uh, we will pick extreme opposites, whether we believe it or not, and uh, argue for a little bit until we just can't hold up the argument anymore.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, And so, Reed, I think that what we'll do is we'll nuance this topic a little bit and say, uh, we'll go with the premise that physicians should be involved in your marketing. But this is the debatable topic here. I will argue that physicians should own the way they communicate with marketing and basically set the tone. They should have ultimate priority rule the
0: roost so to speak of all of the content that's out there that they're going to create that's fine as long as we don't need any content because <laughs> we will never get any if we leave it up to the physicians to lead that initiative but read
1: i mean let's face it when we thought when we talk about content authority when we talk about people that actually understand clinical content and how our service lines and our institutes and everything that makes up everything that's great about our hospital physicians know best and we can't rely on some young journalist that just got fired from the local newspaper to come in and think that they know stuff about clinical care.
0: Well, that's presumptive. I mean, you know, we're not hiring a bunch of fired journalists. These clinical folks, whether they be physician, nurse, physical therapist, it doesn't matter. It, it all falls under the same equation, which we even mentioned earlier in the episode, which is this is not their job. This is not what they were trained to do. It's not what they're paid to do. And, you know, if we leave it to them to drive that narrative, we're in trouble. I
1: I would respectfully disagree. I actually think that the physicians know where their differences are, know their nuances, know how they actually are providing care to their audiences. They basically know their patients better than we do. We should give them the ability to define how that content should be created, how they position themselves online, how they position their institutes online. They know what's best but their viewpoint
0: is very narrow to only what it is they are involved with. So we've got the broader viewpoint of the organization as a whole, as the brand as a whole, growth initiatives and everything else that the organization has set forth. Marketing priorities, etc. We can let them lead those things inside of our guardrails.
1: But marketing should be focusing on what marketing does best, which is creating ads and putting out, you know, information to just promote how great we are. We're the hidden gems of the organization, as physicians. You have to let us shine. Are you claiming you're a physician now? Is that what just happened? <laughs>
0: well, I'm role playing. Okay. All right. Well. All right. So. We can't. We can't even get there with with that. I, that's that makes no sense. Yes, hidden gem, subject matter expert, but somebody's got to you know actually execute, and you know we're not just graphic designers. You know, hanging out you know, sipping lattes.
1: Maybe I could just get, okay, again, I'm role-playing as a doctor here, but maybe what I could do is just, you know, voice dictate what I want the website content to be. And then just send you the audio file and you just transcribe that. I mean, come on, isn't that how that works? Oh, sure. Yeah. That sounds like a great idea.
0: It <laughs> sounds like a wonderful idea. Actually, I would love that. I would love some physicians to give us content, but no SEO experience, don't know how to write for the web. The things they have written are probably peer-reviewed, published in a journal, and have to do with research. And that's not what the general population is looking for. So if we're talking about putting content on a website, that's probably not a great a great avenue.
1: Okay, well, maybe I'll give you that.
0: Uh, you, you do understand that a nuance for SEO
1: because you know you, you probably should do it better because my name isn't found when I Google it. But, you know, we'll work on that. But how often, how often do you Google your competitor's practice? True. But but here's the thing, okay? Every physician that's in the organization has equal importance to the organization. I mean, I, I, I know we have preferred service lines where we, you know, where we have institutes, et cetera. But, you know, I, I would say then, at least from
0: that perspective, every doctor should have an equal role at the table. We can probably break from scene at this point, again... Probably somewhere in the middle of the two arguments, Uh, (laughs) I think marketing and marketing leadership, or the organization as a whole, has to set the tone and. In duration, But we still have to look to those in clinical roles as the subject matter experts, because they're the ones talking to patients all day. And a lot of the questions sometimes I even ask when they say, you know, what would I write about? This is really anybody in a clinical role. It's like, well, what would you say the most today? You know, I think there's a lot of logical ways that all that could be tied together. I agree with you on that, Reed. And I mean, w-
1: barring, you know, kind of regulations around. Uh, you know, promotion and Stark, which we haven't really even talked about, but we're not going to get into. I think that having as much physician interaction that you can I'm with you Reed when you say I would love to have doctors to, to give us content but also then to also respect marketing and communications professionals to take that content and then repurpose it a lot of times there is some pushback to say well you you dumbed this down or you made this you know to, to the 7th grade reading level and that's not how our patients see things i think that that what that does is, is it puts aside the professionalism and the the capabilities of a, of a of a content writer of a of a, a digital strategist, whatever it might be, you want to have them participate, but you have to do it with the guidelines of the organization.
0: All right, we're back with the Ask the Expert section of the podcast. And today we have Dr. Justin Smith uh, he's a pediatrician in Fort Worth, Texas, and is part of Cook Children's. For those in Texas uh, and regionally, will will obviously know the name. For those that want to track you down, what's the best way for people to uh, find you online?
2: I really talk professionally on Twitter the most, and that's uh, at the Doc Smitty on Twitter. And then Have a lot of patient-facing content that lives on my Facebook page, which is also the Doc Smitty.
0: Well, thanks. I I appreciate you taking a few minutes. We've been talking, Chris, and I've been talking today a lot about physicians, and and we've talked historically more about you know the professionalism side of the equation. And and what I really wanted to visit with you about what we've kind of been talking about today has really more to do with the with the marketing side of the house and. You know, how do we get physicians involved, those of us in the hospital world? What does that look like? What does that mean? And, and you're the first person that came to mind because I know you've got a unique situation there at Cook Children's where, yes, you are in practice as a pediatrician, but maybe tell everybody that, that's not familiar with your story, you know, kind of what you're doing now and kind of what led you to that.
2: So I got into um, sort of being involved in digital spaces when I was on my own out in Abilene, Texas, as a, just a primary care pediatrician out there, and just realized that parents were starting to come in this is about six years ago we're starting to come in with uh, a lot of information front they were pulling off the internet and you know it's kind of this joke amongst doctors like oh yeah you know doctors or parents bring in this terrible information and we spend all this time countering it but then you know it's been a came to realize like well sure we can complain about it but what are we doing that's putting good information out there and the answer was there were people doing it but a lot of parents weren't aware of it and I think come a long way from that now but at at that point in time I just felt like it was time to sort of step in and start providing good information that I could point my families to. I had no idea what that would mean for me is from a career standpoint but then uh, we had a made a family move to be closer to a bigger city it's about closer in So we came to uh, Fort Worth and he was going to work at Cook's and started kind of writing for them, you know, sort of once a month or something on their, um, at that time we called it a, a blog about a year into it, uh, Coch Children's was making a transition to a more newsroom style and um, realized that they needed um, someone who could be up to date on the topics, who could turn stories quickly, who could uh, be following the news and see what's relevant and important to our patient population and realized that I had some skill in doing some of those things. And so at that point, They made me an offer to join the marketing team as the medical advisor for digital health. And so I've now been serving in that role um, a little over three years. And it's really been fun to see how the roles changed over time and also like the way we've been able to work in a synergistic way to elevate the brand's name, but also to elevate my own personal brand um, through them. And so we've really um, become a part of the team in a way that's different than even some of the other physicians we see being involved with hospital um, digital marketing efforts.
0: We'll have a link in the show notes, obviously, to a number of the things that you mentioned, but one being the newsroom there at Cook Children's, that particular web property, I guess, which like you mentioned, historically may have been called a blog, but it's much more than that now. Can you talk a little bit about that that web property and and kind of the reasoning behind the way it looks, the way it looks now?
2: Yeah, and we have a a really amazing team. And the team, I think, was starting to see a change in just the way patients were seeking information. And in our case, it's patient families is really what we call it, because we're usually looking to reach mom and dad. But, you know, it was just, we we realized that um, there were stories out there that had health implications for our families. And they were getting that information from other sources because the other sources were the ones to to write and release first. And because of the way um, we were set up, we were only publishing like two or three times a week prior to this change. And now that we are sort of expected to publish every day, we're able to be a lot more agile. We have a, you know, sort of a collection of posts that sits there and is ready to run. But we never know when we walk in in the morning what story is going to run today, whether it's going to be one or two. You know, things change a lot, and um, you know I've had stories that were really awesome that I just couldn't wait to get out. That waited weeks because they were evergreen, and there were just things that continued to pop up that needed to be addressed.
0: As you've you know kind of made your way through this, how, how is you know participating you know, as the medical advisor for for digital health kind of within the marketing PR world within the hospital? What has that done for your personal brand and even your maybe not private practice but your clinical practice? I guess
2: it's definitely uh, a great. It's been very beneficial to to my personal brand for sure. I mean, the reach that I'm able to get by having a health system um, backing and promoting my content is you know just much greater than I could have ever done on my own. And I've seen, you know, Facebook followers, which is really where I measure, Facebook is really where I measure whether I'm engaging with families or not, because that's where my families follow me is, is on Facebook. And so I've seen that reach and that engagement just continue to grow, despite the fact that everyone says you can't succeed on Facebook without paying anymore. And um, I very rarely have to put any money behind anything, but I still continue to get really powerful reach. And so um, it, it's definitely helped my digital brand. And then as far as in person and sort of my practice growth, I'm in transition right now. I'll be um, opening up a, a new clinic that's intended to be an innovative center for the health system in August. Even now in this transitional space, uh, I would say half or more of our new patients will tell our receptionist that they heard about us or found out about us on Facebook. Most of that points back to or, to my the Doc Smitty Facebook page, not necessarily our Cook Children's Trophy Club Facebook page, which we have, Uh, but still that it it translates to to patient volume, at least in my case. And I don't think that's always the best goal for uh, physicians out there. Like if they just think it's all about building a practice or getting new patients, I I really hesitate to to let physicians think that. And I really think they should think more about providing good information, engaging with patients and trying to show a little bit of the softer, more fun side of themselves and their practice. And then if there's any secondary gain from from patients showing up at the door, great. But if you focus on that, I think you, you may be disappointed because it doesn't always work out that way.
0: How has the health system, how has Cook Children supported you?
2: Tremendously well. I mean, first, even just the thought of creating a position and structuring it the way they did uh, was pretty innovative um, and still is. I mean, there's not very many of us doing what I do out there so even just that the from the very beginning was just a real leap of faith and then since then you know I mean I think there are just things about PR and and marketing and really journalism it's a little mix of all that that um, I just was not trained to do and so they provide tremendous support in um, you know if I see an idea and I start down a pathway and they say hey have you thought about maybe addressing it this way? You know, that they can certainly help guide me into a way that that maximizes the effort. You know, the one thing that physicians don't want to do is put a lot of effort into something and then have it be wasted and useless because nobody sees it or doesn't accomplish what you wanted to accomplish. And so I have the benefit in that I trust my team and their judgment. And so I don't feel the need to sort of bully them into doing it my way. I sort of supply the idea, supply the medical guidance, but I really trust them to. To take care of the other parts of it, you know, I, I try not to ever write my own headlines as a, an example because I feel like we have people who do that a thousand times better than I do, and so I try to leave the headline off or, or suggest something that I'm not really committed to because I feel strongly that that type of thing is something that the team should be doing, and they and they do a great job of it.
0: That's that's interesting, I, you know, and of course I've seen a little bit how you guys have have
2: worked together through the years. What what is something you feel like has been a win? Last year, actually, right about this time. Uh, in Fort Worth, we were seeing just a significant increase in child drowning, near drowning, and drowning. People were showing up in our ER with near drowning experiences, and then, and then death as a result of drowning as well. We just realized, like, this is a perfect example of a place where you know we could do something as a hospital system that actually might move the needle for health in our community in a short term. In a short play not not even just the long-term play and so our social media um, person got you know got some great ideas together and we put together you know all of our um, practices switched their uh, facebook profile and cover photos to um, to drowning prevention information we created lock screens for phones just a reminder for that parent who's out the pool that hey Remember your your kids out in the pool. Don't stay on don't stay on your phone. And it was just a really really impactful, and and it really like because of the efforts we were putting in, we were able to draw in a lot of community resources, and we had multiple events, um, and so that really branched outside even the PR digital marketing world to our business development folks and our, our more traditional marketers who were who were doing events with the mayor of Fort Worth, and it just really turned into a community wide effort, and it just was really powerful to see that sort of pick up and honestly like that doesn't have so much to do with me being a physician involved It's just being a concerned community member and 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 having a team that recognizes the importance and and letting them take the ball and run with it
0: a lot of folks listening to this podcast obviously are marketing communication professionals primarily you know with hospitals and health systems across the country and you You've probably heard this, and I've heard this a number of times as I've traveled around, but people are always interested in how do I get physicians involved. Now, involved means a number of things to a number of people. But, you know, as we start looking at how do we go engage the active medical staff, uh, whether that be for content creation or participation on the marketing team uh, from a strategy perspective or whatever that is, what what's a tip or two? That you can pass along as someone who is in the middle of all this, you know, to those out there that are that are trying to get started and trying to go engage those physicians?
2: from the very start. Like it is important that as a team you define what opportunities there are for physicians to be involved, and then communicate those to those physicians. Because you know, if you go to them and say, "Hey, we we want you to help," I think what they hear is, "Oh, yeah, writing means you know a research paper that's you know two thousand words and has a ton of sources and everything else," and that typically is not what you're looking for. And so you need to communicate to them that, hey, it might just mean that um, I'll get a quote from you for an article, and that might even be done electri- you know, via email. Or it might mean that I come and interview you and, and then cre- help create content based on an interview. Or if you do have uh, someone on staff who's a writer, it's, it may mean writing a blog post, but even that is not going to be as cumbersome as, as writing for what physicians typically think of as writing, and so defining that I think is is important, and then think like what what is a physician looking for, and what are we how do we think? So we think constantly all day long is a assessment of risk versus benefit, and uh, the problem in these spaces is that the physicians traditionally have seen it as all risk. Um, well, what if I say something wrong, or what if somebody gets online and asks me a question I can't answer? And, and they see all the risk, and, and then the benefit, they, they have a harder time seeing. And so when they're making that assessment, risk versus benefit, wish, the, the risk wins every time in their head. And so you really have to communicate to them, look, that really doesn't happen, and, and we'll be there to help you should someone ask you a question you can't answer. And we'll redirect them back to their doctor, and we'll help you respond to those questions. Or we're going to d- check and double-check and be sure that, that everything that we're putting out there is medically sound so that we don't you know get in trouble for providing bad Information, and then starting to on the benefit side, really starting to lay out like what it means to have a digital presence and what it can mean for you professionally, what it can mean for you personally as an outlet to be creative, um, start communicating some of those in a positive way. I think can really shift that that balance um, towards a physician wanting to be involved. He
0: is Doctor Justin Smith. You can find him on Twitter, at the Doc Smitty. Track him down on Facebook as well as some of the other social channels. Justin, thanks. I certainly appreciate the time.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: All right, here we are. Uh, we're going to do something a little, little different. We've done this from time to time, I guess, at different points in the podcast, but we wanted to get and provide a little bit of listener feedback. So. Folks are nice enough to engage with us on the different social platforms, which we uh, participate. And we want to talk a little bit about that when it makes sense. And so the first thing I wanted to show uh, or bring up was uh, a question I had posted on LinkedIn uh, after we finished our patient portal episode. So this was you know a week or so ago, a week or more ago. And I just asked a simple question on LinkedIn What do users want from a patient portal? So, Chris, you and I talked about this, obviously, and, you know, did the whole thing with the news article and all that kind of stuff, but I was just curious, you know, what people would weigh in on. And, you know, we heard a lot of different things, you know, Kira uh, from Over and Influence Health, Kira Hagen uh, mentioned several things about some research that they had done, but, you know, she, she mentioned mobile reminders, direct scheduling, secure messaging, mm-hmm. things that we saw, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we got some additional feedback from Bridget Thomas. Uh, she talked about, uh, direct scheduling, uh, for next or same day appointments. So mm-hmm. again, some of the, you know, kind of similar, mm-hmm. similar things, um, you know, people started getting into, you know, who, you know, the literacy of the group and what their needs are around different, you know, patient portal usage types and things like that. Right. Um, you know, Jim Samuel, you know, he he gets in there and talks a lot about, uh, you know, kind of some of his, you know, preferences and, and things like that, which mm-hmm. are lab results, uh, prescription refills, you know, more of that clinical side and, you know, kind of time-saving side of, I don't have to make phone calls or go in to you know do some of those things. Um, you know, there were, it's just really great. This this thing kind of goes on and on. You can actually yeah. go find it online still, uh, all the way down to even you know the last comment by Remington Johnson talking about the need for a human connection can can be cultivated. Uh, through that patient portal, you know, so yeah. w- again, probably, you know, we're all kind of bleeding back towards telehealth and even support groups and some of those types of things. Uh, anyway, some really, yeah. really good stuff there. I appreciate everybody's feedback. There's a whole bunch of comments here. So again, if you have any additional thoughts about patient portal, uh, you can definitely, uh, definitely track that down on LinkedIn, right? Well, we even had someone write us an email. Now, um,
1: I've promised to keep this person anonymous, but because they kind of talked about some of the things, but this patient portal podcast really struck a nerve with some people and they, <laughs> and, and, and in particular that argument that we, the touch point touch counterpoint we did about, um, should marketing or it own that, uh, the patient portal? Um, this person actually took your side on that argument they say uh, that they don't see marketing taking the lead role from beginning to end. They should be involved, but not the lead. And the reason is, is because they have no authority beyond getting patients in the door. Um, and some of the things that he, he, he provides some experience, right? He said that his VP tried to do it and never really succeeded, partially because of the approach, um, you know, marketing, inserting themselves into something that's decidedly like clinical and IT that right. could rub a lot of feathers with people. But right. the other fact is is that the data they really didn't provide that data, that critical data around what that what the user could possibly have. And that's kind of where it fell down. So obviously, you know, if marketing is going to get involved, bring to the table some of the key elements, don't just bring a bunch of assumptions. Um, right. what it could do is that could actually defeat the purpose of having marketing be part of this experience. If you come in with a lot of bravado and maybe shaking things up, remember clinical and IT don't really see marketing as a role in this. So if you do bring some value, come in, you know, understand that you're doing a compromise, you know, at the end, you know, he, he indicated that, um, that because of this interaction or intersection of marketing, that they actually made some updates to the app that, They just don't really know. He doesn't really feel maybe it's going to provide the right value. Like, for example, at the bottom of the patient portal app, they now have a big button that says donate. And he says he doesn't think that patients would really see the patient portal as a place to solicit for donations. And I kind of agree with him on that.
0: Yeah. No, it's all great feedback. All great feedback. So, again, anything that we've talked about, this obviously is about patient portals, but anything else, please... Uh, connect with us let us hear your feedback this is really really great stuff and it it is really a learning experience for both of us so we certainly appreciate everybody's um you know thoughtfulness around these different topics we talk about we sure do
1: well now we're coming to the end of episode 19 Good conversation we had. I really enjoyed that interview that we had with Dr. Smith. I think that was really good. This is a a pretty good episode for
0: episode 19. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of fun. This is a really neat topic. A little bit different than some of the things that we've talked about. And I think it uh, had some good tips in there. I think Dr. Smith had a couple of good insights and tips people can actually go and, and use. As a quick reminder, episode 20 coming up, we want to hear from you. Would love to hear what your tip would be for other hospital marketing and communication professionals so hit us up on linkedin twitter Mm-hmm. email whatever it may be uh, as we mentioned earlier an audio file which you can just record on your phone as a voice memo and email it or text it to us is awesome because we would love to actually uh, feature those and we're gonna do the uh, the top 20 in episode 20 sorry I guess it's up to Chris and I on which one's the top 20 are but send them in <laughs> it'll be a lot of fun we'll try
1: to uh we'll try to be fair about the, the tips that come up we'll probably add a couple of our own but as Reed did mention at the top of the show, Show anything that's actually audio produced that would probably get a little bit more preference because we really want next week's episode to feature your voices, so that would be really cool. So, Reed, we're getting to the end now, and we always end our podcast with recommendations. Yes, Uh, do you have you have a good recommendation lined up?
0: I do. Uh, It's I have not finished this book. It is a book I have not finished it yet, but from what I've read so far, it's uh, really interesting, and I think something that all of us in the marketing and communication space be able to, to glean some insights from. It is by Alan Alda. Do you know who Alan Alda is? You know what I'm talking about?
1: The, the actor?
0: Yeah, Hawkeye from MASH. Hawkeye, yeah. 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 Alan Alda wrote a book. It is called, and I only bought it because of the title, but it's actually really good. The title is, If I Understood You, Would I Have This Look on My Face? Hmm my adventures in the art and science of relating and communicating and so this book is about you know his you know journey or quest to learn how to communicate better and how to teach others to do the same so of course he's funny a lot of candor uh stories you know things like that but it says you know in one of the little descriptors i think i read it's really you know him exploring how to develop empathy is a key factor especially as it relates to mm-hmm. communication so if i understood you would i have this look on my face by alan alda hmm well, that's
1: great i'm gonna to have to check that one out i didn't realize that he was an author i know that i'm very familiar with his acting work well that's great yes. well reed i am going to recommend a podcast so let me ask you something reed Are you a Law & Order fan? Yeah, I've watched it through the years. Yeah, it's been on for a very long time. I don't know how many years. I I actually like Law & Order, and my fiance happens to like Law & Order Special Victims Unit. She watches that pretty regularly. And, you know, I have to say that it's really good TV. I think that the way it's produced, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of fun. I came across a podcast that is about Law & Order that I've been listening to, and I have to tell you, it is great. First of all, the podcast is called These Are Their Stories where a husband and wife team, they have a guest on every time, every time, and they take an an old episode, a classic episode of either Law & Order, Special Victims Unit or Criminal Intent, and in a very funny way they talk about the plot line, they go into who is your favorite prosecutorial team, who is your favorite detective team they make social commentaries about the episodes they tie it to real life and they do it in a very humorous fun way and then at the very end they actually kind of bring in the real life story in which that Law and Order episode is based on I've added it to my uh, my listening of podcasts it doesn't come out you know I think it comes out once every two weeks or so mm mm-hmm. It's absolutely not informational. It's just pure fun entertainment. And it cracks me up. It makes me laugh laugh a lot when I'm listening to it. These are their stories. Uh, you can find it at lawandorderpodcast.com. That's what my recommendation will be this week. Awesome.
0: Well, that is it. That wraps up episode 19. So again, send your stuff to us for episode 20. It should be a good one. He's Chris Boyer. I'm Reed Smith. Uh, we had a blast and we'll see you next week.